Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we share with you what we taught students this past Sunday morning. All right, the next, uh, the next three weeks, um, our children will be in uh, 1 Timothy. Um, so, so grab chapter 1. Um, so who can tell me who Timothy is? This book is written from Paul to Timothy. Who is he? Just broadly. So Timothy, young or old? Young guy, right? So Paul is writing to this to the guy who's mentoring. He was younger. He's he's staying in uh, in Ephesus, and so he's writing this letter to Timothy to give him some advice. So today, if this was in today's terms, this would probably be written in like a text message. There would be emojis included, whatever. And so, however it is that you would communicate with your kid or someone younger, Paul is writing, and there's two things. Um, that I want to point out uh, this morning from this from this passage. The first one um, is that we need to hold firmly to the truth of God rather than the ideas of culture. And so he he dives in verse three. He says, uh, "As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, so you may charge certain persons not to teach any doctrine." nor to devote themselves to the myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons swerving from these ideas have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about that they are making certain um, assertions. And so Paul leaves Timothy in Ephesus and he says, hey, um, look out for certain people who are trying to teach things that are apart from what is right and what is true. And so we don't know who they are, but I'm pretty certain that Timothy knew. He said, look, there are certain people who are trying to teach some other things and you kind of know who they are. You know, there are certain people that, that your kids need to stay away from. There are certain people who you shouldn't listen to. There's, so he's kind of making this, this, this term of like, hey, certain people are going to lead you in, in different directions. And so as a parent, we need to lead our child to, to know the word of God. And he warns him to not stray away from what is true and not chase after all of these genealogies, these myths, these things that are, that are going on. Today we might say, hey, don't run after, um, you know, some, some certain political view or certain, a certain trend that's happening on social media which changes moment by moment. As soon as you, feel, you learn, oh, this is the trend now, then you're, it, it's gone. Like, no, that's, that's, that was so, mom, that was so last week. Like, we're not doing that anymore. Like, like we're doing something different now. You know, try to, try to keep up, right? And, and so he's urging Timothy, hey, don't chase after all of these things, these, these endless trends, these endless kinds of things that just kind of go around and around, but stay firm in what is true. And we need to, uh, to understand that our authority of what's right and wrong needs to come from, from God's word. And, and too often we hear and we kind of 
sometimes grab onto this idea of kind of, well, live what's true to you. Well, you live your truth. Well, that's not true to me. That might be true to, true to you. And there's this idea of we can kind of live our own truth, which is not, which is not a reality. There was a, a recent survey. Um, over half of adults in the U.S. believe this statement. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contained helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. More than half of the people in the U.S. believe that the Bible is similar to all the other, like, sacred special books, and it contains some good stories, like, from the past, but it's not all literally true. Like, let's not get too hung up on, like, this dude was actually swallowed by a large fish. Like, like it's, it's probably just a story, not actually, like, true. Over 70% agree, 70% of American adults agree with the statement that we are born innocent in the eyes of God. But the reality is, is that we're born in sin. We're born guilty before God. We're born in, 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 in sin. We, we, it's all around us and all through us. And that the, the reality is that the Bible is the, is the infallible word of God. And we, we're living in a time when those who are not claiming any religious affiliation is, is growing, they're saying, no, I'm not, I'm not Baptist, I'm not Catholic, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not anything. And I'm gonna kind of believe what I want, and I, I kind of like this, this concept from, from over here, and so I'm gonna take that, and then, oh, I really like this one over here, and so I'm gonna sort of, sort of take this, and so it's sort of this cafeteria approach of I'm just gonna kind of believe what I believe, and I'm not really concerned that it all fits together it just, I'm just going to kind of pick what I like. Because I don't really like the thought of what Christianity says, that I'm a sinner and then I need a savior. So I'm going to kind of grab onto this idea that like, well, I'm probably good and I just need to find the goodness in me and kind of, kind of pull that out. But, but we can't hold on to all these ideas. We have to know and be devoted to the truth of God. And so in order to, to do that, we need to do two things. One, make sure we know the word of God. If we don't know the Word of God and our children don't know the Word of God, they won't be able to recognize when a, when a, a falsehood comes along. They, they, they won't be able to recognize truth from fiction because they don't know what God's Word actually says. Many Americans believe that a statement in the Bible is that God helps those who help themselves. It, it, it sounds very biblical, right? Like it sounds good, like you gotta do your part and then God will help you. It's not in the Bible. And so there's these ideas of, of you know what, that, that God is, is, is a certain, that God is love, and therefore because God is love, he won't tell us no. He doesn't set standards. He wants us to be happy. We need to know the word of God. And so build biblical knowledge in your family. This is not a sprint. You cannot say, all right, tonight we got to take care of this, right? We're going to sit everybody down. We're going to make sure we understand the Bible. In an hour, it's going to be awesome. We are going to take care of it. Understanding God's word is a, is a lifelong journey. And so help your, your, your family know what God's word says by being consistent in attending 
church, being consistent in being in God's word, be consistent with being with, with other believers. And that's why it's important for our children to not only worship with us in the worship service. If you got up at eight and worshiped this morning, well done. My family, we are firmly at 11, 9.30 and 11. We're not the morning people, particularly after break. We grew on the break schedule, all, the, all that. So um, being consistent in time with other of, of the same age and then being consistent in, in, in worship. Um, model and lead your child in a, in a daily time of reading um, as a family and as an individual. They should see you with your Bible. They should see you reading. They should disturb you once in a while. You're like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were reading. Like, like that, that should be something that happens whether or not like, I don't know if mom, I assume mom prays. I assume mom reads at some point. I just never see it. I don't, I don't know if dad, I guess dad does, but I don't really see him. They from time to time should, should see you because it's so much part of, of life. You can, can memorize scripture together, particularly those who have little kids. They are little sponges. And so help them memorize God's word and do it together. Um, play Bible trivia, read Bible stories together, talk about things that are going on. Talk about the sermon. Hey, what did you like? Hey, that was a, yeah, that was a funny story that Jason told. Why did he tell it? What was he illustrating? Uh, talk about that stuff. You know, talk about the worship. Talk about what song did you like? What did you, what, did, what, what message did you get from that? How did that line up with, uh, with scripture? Um, so, so not only know God's word, but secondly, identify, correct, and limit the influence of other voices. As you see wrong attitudes, ideas, and concepts come up, gently correct them. This is easier when they're little. Because when they're little, you can say, no, that's wrong, this is right. And they'll go, okay, yeah, great. When your child is a high schooler, it's a little different. You have to help them kind of discover and evaluate their ideas. And so you can ask them questions like, hey, um, where did you get that idea? Where did that come from? That's an interesting thing you're, you're talking about. Where, where did that come from? Do, why do you think that idea is, is right? Where does that line up with Scripture? Where do you find that, that concept in the Bible? How does that, that idea fit into who God is and who He has made you to, to be? Help them to, to think biblically by asking them questions. Often we don't recognize where we get certain concepts, certain ideas, and we're like, I don't, I don't know, I just heard a song and it sounded kind of cool. I don't know if it's true or not, but i just just been singing it all day. And so help them, help them understand and kind of evaluate that because in a couple years, our children are gonna be on their own, they're gonna be adults, and they're gonna have to pick and choose what is true and what is not for them. Not what is true, that what is true is true, but they're going to have to decide what they're going to live by and what they're going to build their, build their lives on. And so the second truth is, it's that God who transforms the lives of people. This should be great, of great comfort. So Paul's talking about who he was. And so he says, I thank, I'm in verse 12. He says, I thank him who gives me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Although formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy, deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, 
as in the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. There are moments when we ourselves and our children make us a little crazy and discourage us a bit. Look how Paul described himself. He said, this is me. I was a blasphemer. I, I spoke lies about God. I was a persecutor. He hunted down Christians, arrested, imprisoned, and killed them. He says, I was an insolent opponent, someone who enjoys hurting other people. He says, I was someone who told lies. I hunted down, arrested, and imprisoned Christians, and I enjoyed leveling pain on people. That was me. I hope that's not your experience at home, but recognize that God is the one who transforms. And he says, but I received grace and God has transformed me. And we recognize that this is the Apostle Paul who we say, oh, if he wrote it, if he said it, it's true. He wrote more books than anybody else in Scripture. He's writing all these to all these different churches. He planted all these different churches. God used him in incredible ways. And he's saying, I was the chiefest of sinners. But God was patient. He received grace so that Jesus might display his perfect patience and his grace to those who believe in him for eternal life. This should be comforting to us as parents. Here's the reality. You and I cannot and will not change our child. We can't do it. Who will change the heart of our child? The Holy Spirit. Who is the one that has the power to change hearts and minds? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to be used as a tool, but we cannot change the heart of our child. We can't change our heart. It's the Holy Spirit who changes our heart. We cannot change the heart of our spouse, of our coworker, of anybody else. It's only God who can do that and, and be reminded that Paul was of what Paul was and he's saying, look, God did a great work in me so that what might be displayed in me is God's grace and God's patience because I was one of the worst sinners of all. But God in his great mercy has transformed me. And so my prayer for us and for our children, is that that will be our testimony, that we can say, I was, my child was, and then we have this list, but God has done a great work in me, in our family, and this is what he's, and this is what he's doing. And so this morning, recognize that we need to hold strong to, to what is true and, 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 a, and recognize and oppose those false ideas and then ask the Lord God to change the hearts of our family, individually and corporately. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray for us and you guys are gonna have extended time to, uh, to discuss today. Lord God, I thank you um, for the reality of the gospel, the reality that you, Holy Spirit, you alone are the one 
that changes our hearts. Father, we, when we're honest, know that a lot of change is needed. And so, Father, we beg you to, to change us. We beg you to make us godly. We, make a, we beg you to make us like Jesus in our attitudes, in our outlook, in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we interact with others, the choices that we make. God, we pray that they would be like Jesus. God, we pray the same for our children. God, we pray that you would do a remarkable work in them and so that in that may be displayed a great mercy, a great level of patience by you, O oh God, that you would get the honor and the glory, Father. God, we're grateful to be able to, to call in your name. We're grateful to be able to, to be a part of your work. We're grateful to know that you're at work and that you're changing people. And so, Father, we ask that you help us to be a part of that work. God, we're, <clears throat> we're grateful for the opportunity to to be together this morning and to encourage one another. God, I pray that you help us as parents to be the, the fathers and the mothers that we need to be. God, we're grateful for you and for your work. God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in room 215, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.